everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is finally episode 100 of the show. Yay! And it only took we, uh, 158 episodes to get here. <laughs> did, it, did you count? No, I just made that up, but I know we've done more than 100. Yeah. I mean, I mean you should right? have done 20 uh, not comicses uh-huh. and um, a good half dozen mailbags. So yeah. yeah, it's like it's, it's close to 130 episodes to get here. Yeah. All right. But this um, is the main show. 100 episodes of the actual show we care about. And, that's right. Uh, want to keep going weekly, so that's pretty cool. It's like when, we, when I count up our comics, I'm only counting the main coverage comics, the Silver Age comics. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to count these. That we're going to cover here because these aren't actually in our journey. Um, yeah. Speaking of, we're going to be sidestepping our journey, and as a as a way of looking back over where we've been, we decided to jump to a modern retelling of the exact same history that we've been in. Hmm. So it'd be kind of fun to celebrate the first journey of the Avengers by looking at the 2004-2005 miniseries Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. That's right. Which, uh, and we'll get into it, but it's pretty cool how it touches a lot of the issues we've been covering for the Avengers since it started, up until where we currently are, really. Right, right, right. Literally, it ends with the changing of the team, which we've just gotten past. So, right. And it's interesting how it kind of, it's all in and around the stories. Mm -hmm. You get glimpses of the stories when they're relevant to the plot at hand and to keep track of where you are in the timeline. But Mm -hmm. um, that's my daughter coming in. Hey, Lily. Like like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. How are you? (laughs) I have grandchildren? Yeah. Huh? Okay. I think you told me about him. Okay. I I will cut that out of the show. Yeah. yeah. Because you're 18 and he's not. Sweet. You can do that? Cool. <laughs> your brother's in there, your mom's in there, and your kitties are here. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, so I'll cut that out. Okay. In and out. And uh, so Joe Casey's the writer, Scott Collins is the artist, and yeah, they're giving us like um, a modern sort of setting of the original stories, which, mm-hmm. what did you think about that? Taking those 60 stories and putting a modern paint brush on them. Go to paint. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Reading 2004 and 2005 comic books sure does read faster than 1964, 1965 comic books for some reason. <laughs> they do, don't they? I mean, I think I blew through all eight of these like in the time it would take me to maybe do, you know, a Spider-Man and a Fantastic Four or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it – I mean, we could summarize it in the end, but I actually thought it was really well done. Just And what I really loved is I have read these before when they first came out, but now I'm reading them – with the actual, you know, Avengers more clearly in my mind, issues one through 16 or 17. So right. it was really cool to kind of know what they were referencing better um, and to see how almost seamlessly they kind of weave in and out of those story plots. I think, and we'll, we'll decide as we go, that sometimes they cheated a little bit. But for the most part, I think this series does a really cool job of like, filling in a lot of gaps that I think you and I have even asked questions about when we were reading those Avengers books. So. I agree. I had a couple similar thoughts. Now it's been a little while since I actually read these because we've had some scheduling nightmares trying to get this together. Um, but mm-hmm. I do have some notes written down, so it should be good. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. So um, of course there's the internet 
and I was talking to the internet about this uh, series because mm. um, you should never I, do that. I know. I'm in a Silver Age Marvel group, and there's one uh-huh. particular shot in this. It is a scene straight out of the Avengers number three, and I posted it in the group, and it started a conversation. Uh, uh-huh. And I was thinking, when you're going to do a retelling of a part of Marvel history, uh-huh. you have two choices. You can tell it set in the era when it was published, but then you're choosing to do a period piece. Mm-hmm. You know, a 2020 comic doing a story about 1965 Spider-Man is is a choice. Or you can do a story that encapsulates those events and works in and around those events with modern day, like, trappings, cell right. phones and whatever. Uh-huh. So you, you got it. You got There are pros and cons to both. Well, the big con to the first option is that it automatically makes it not part of quote unquote continuity, right? Because yeah, these these guys in their current continuity live in a time a sliding timeline, so there is no 1960s Spider Man anymore. You know, right? So if you made a story that was which they've just done recently, I think the 60s Spider Man or a Spider Man that actually ages throughout time, then yeah, it's automatically not part of this uh, you know reality that we think of as reality, even though it's all fiction. Right. So you know, acknowledging the sliding timeline and say, okay, you know. Iron Man didn't get his costume in Vietnam. He got it in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing mm-hmm. is one of those choices you have to make. Or, like I said, otherwise you're choosing to do something that is, you know, you're putting girls in mini skirts and bell bottoms right. and everything else. It's all, it's kind of like, in a way, which is weird because this isn't taking place in the 60s, but like anytime they do a Star Trek that takes place before Star Trek, mm-hmm. it's like, you don't want to really use the jelly beans as buttons anymore right. because we have a modern audience now and we need to make this look modern, but you don't want to go over the top modern and make, you know, the original series look super out of touch. So this series, I think did a pretty good job of making it like, I guess it takes place what, 10 years before 2005. So whatever in the nineties sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, honestly, but- it almost feels like it was taking place in the time it's written. This well, really, that could be too. But no, this, it can't this be. This felt like a post 9-11 world, not a 1990s world. Maybe Well, not. then maybe they failed then because this is if this was published in 2005, that means the current Avengers are in 2005. You know, I never heard Department of Homeland Security. I never heard Al-Qaeda referenced. I heard yeah. National Security Council. So yeah, it could have been 90s. I just yeah. was not that aware of the global political scene in the 90s because, you know, I was a child. But I, th- I think they still did like a good job keeping some of the 60s elements like the outfits and i don't know there's just something about how it, it does feel a little retro-y because it's taking place in their mm-hmm. initial days which was cool without it actually just being full-blown 60s um but yeah it's a hard it's a hard line to draw when you're doing all these prequel things i guess and, and you mentioned star trek there's a there's a ton of endless debate on the mm-hmm. pros and cons of the way that you know star trek looks in the various incarnations like enterprise really tried to bridge that gap and mm-hmm. some of the more modern shows have been like you know what whatever yeah this and I'm is kind the of, way we're I imagining the future now instead of back in the right. 60s yeah like we can't just keep that as like yeah anyway it's not a star trek podcast but i sort of agree with that you just got to update for the times and go with it um the trade dress for this series is really cool every mm-hmm. issue and there are eight issues each issue has a letter of the word Avengers with a hero or heroes in the 
uh, print of the lettering. So the first issue is the letter A, and it has the original five-member team. And they do say five members. There's never a hint in this retelling that there are any fewer than five full-fledged members. The Wasp is a member of the team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to get into that because that they touch on that a little bit with the whole Kang stuff, I think. But we'll get there. Well, we um, I guess we'll just pick up on our rotation. Whose turn is it to summarize? I believe it is yours, sir. You get to kick us off. Oh, okay. Um, this is going to be weird to summarize because it's like, like you, like we were just saying, this is everything that takes place in these issues is kind of in between the action. So it's right. like, what are we talking about? But let's see what happens. So we open up with uh, Stark Industries. It's late. Pepper and Tony are talking about how he has sent off a copy of the uh, or Avengers official charter. They're trying to get funding. Um, we cut to a pool hall where a man in a uh, motorcycle jacket with a circus car, a circus train car on the back, is doing some very perfect pool playing, watching about all these heroes coming out on the uh, TV screen. There's some debate about the Hulk having rampages. And Iron Man's like, no, the Hulk is not a menace. His recent presidential pardon merely reinforces our position. He is one of us. Um, this unnamed fellow, whom we will call Clint Barton, uh, <laughs> does not have any faith that these guys could really be on the up and up. People aren't really that good. Um, back at Avengers Mansion, we have a, a meeting of the five heroes around a table. Thor is there. Hulk is there. Rick Jones is there. Ant-Man is sitting, the wasp is flying around, and Iron Man is present in his gold-plated uh, armor. He hands out the official charter for everyone to sign. Um, and they all want to talk about what's their purpose as Avengers. And Thor's like, we're going to fight any foe that no single warrior could ever withstand. We shall avenge the world and other worlds beyond. And they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, during the conversation, there's a bit of uh, argument breaking out. The, someone steps on the Hulk's feelings, and he overreacts and starts breaking the mansion and breaking the table. Um, Iron Man and Hulk almost go at it, but Thor stands between them, so Hulk jumps out of the mansion through the ceiling. Mm -hmm. um, Ant-Man's like, okay, I think that's our cue. We're going to go to a nice first effort, I guess. And then Thor just disappears. Iron Man's like, well, that could have gone better. Uh -huh. And um, Jarvis is like, you know, that didn't go great, but this document is important. Like the old documents of, of the founding of America. This is an important piece of paper. Um, over in Creskill, New Jersey, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp are talking. They go back to full size and are really sweet to each other. Uh, two weeks later, Iron Man is now in his Mark II armor, which is the red and gold. And the gold mask has the two like points on it kind of a Jean Grey style mask. And we meet special agent Merch, who is basically the go-between uh, between the Avengers and the government. So uh, Iron Man is trying to get security clearance. A special agent Merch is concerned about the Hulk. Uh, uh, Tony says, we'll handle it. And we get the scene in the Avengers 3 where they try to capture the Hulk and he throws a train at them. Um, so they're kind of like, you know, leaving all of that and they're in their submarine and they're all upset over how badly things are going. Uh, 
Janet tries to comfort Hank. Hank turns around and yells at her in giant form, which is um, not great. And Thor immediately tells him to calm the F down or he can face Thor's wrath. And Iron Man says, so yeah, um, with this whole thing with the Hulk, yeah, we're screwed. This is not going to work out. We're not going to get our clearance and we can't be the Avengers. Uh, Thor gets mad at him. They start throwing words at each other. There's an alarm that goes off and they look out the window and Captain America is floating in the icy waters to be continued. Like I said, the Avengers would have broke up if it wasn't for Captain America. And see, this issue totally agrees. This story really paints that picture. Uh-huh. It definitely leans on Captain America as a linchpin of the team's existence. Yeah. So when I was reading this, I don't know about you and I'm lazy. So I didn't like necessarily pull out the old books that we already talked about and, <laughs> go through them with a fine tooth comb, but I did kind of like compare in my brain, like does any of this derail from that? Um, and it's pretty good. I think, I don't know about you. There are a few minor differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pepper knows that Tony is Iron Man. Oh, geez. I didn't even know where, where does that happen? Okay. So it's subtle in this issue, but she has sent the, um, Avengers charter off to, um, the government, you don't really mm-hmm. realize that she knows he's Iron Man at this point. But by the end of the series, there's a scene where she knows he's Iron Man. Okay, so how crazy. she finds out and when she finds out could be up for debate. Hmm. But if she doesn't know it at the beginning, she knows it by the end. So that's odd because that's off. Mm-hmm. If anybody, it should be happy at this point. But Right, right. Because happy's the first one who finds out in the comics. But oh. yeah. Look, he's got his little plug. I thought that was cute. That is very cute. Plug it into, is that like a mini bar? (laughs) See, that makes me think like, okay, in the 90s, was there not something better than this plug? But I do like that they went that way because that's kind of retro and, you know, his old style. The 90s, the mid 90s was not that, uh, I mean, personal computers were still finding their space. Yeah. So they're probably, you know, USB probably wasn't as practical as just a straight up power cord. No, USB was one of the, I mean... USB was not common uh, lingo in 1995. Right. right. So that makes sense. Although yeah. it's two it's two prong. I wish he would have grounded it a little bit, but that's okay. I think it's I think it's three prong. Oh, is it? Maybe it's just being held weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's held at an angle. I liked it though. I like this opening page just sets the mood. Like he's just in the dark and then he ends up in the last panel by himself charging, which he's done so many times in Tales of Suspense. So, mm-hmm. it was neat. It also sets the theme in motion from the very beginning that the existence of the Avengers is largely a matter of paperwork and government negotiations. Mm-hmm. Like that's said right here. They sent a copy of the bylaws to Agent Merch. Uh, there's a uh, you have to meet with Mister Caton on the an accounting about the funding. So all of that stuff, which is a background complexity the entire time. Yeah, this charter, as we'll see, is referenced often and even like we get little glimpses of what it says here and there so it's kind of a cool through line i guess on all these issues i like that hawkeye is present as a background character mm-hmm. even in the early chapters uh-huh and i love that he has his circus jacket on so there so here's where like i don't know what do we think since the next page is like all the characters do we think that they're nailing their 1964 character vibe or is there a lot of any hindsight going on here? You know uh, what I mean? In what way? Well, for instance, I felt Thor was a little too Thory. Like 
we know Thor's like this now, but when when we're reading these Avengers book, there was a long time where we're just like, he sounds more like Donald Blake than Thor. And it took yeah. like a lot of Avengers to get to him being more Thor. And even now he's finally starting to do more Asgard stuff. But here, like right out of the gate, it's, I will not stand, I will not succumb to the hypocrisy of Midgard bureaucracy. Like when did he ever say Midgard by Avengers mm-hmm. 1, you know? Right. Well, and we remember in Avengers 1, that was like Kirby's first take on Thor Mm -hmm. uh, from his return. And Mm -hmm. that kind of upped the ante in his speech. Yeah. Even in that first issue. It did. So I can see what you're saying. They might be, you know, cheating a little bit with that. But I think that's a matter of acknowledging what they worked their way toward. Mm -hmm. Because Thor in the early Avengers issues was just fine with leading chairman run meetings and stuff like that. Whereas mm-hmm. this guy's more like, I just want to hit things with my hammer. <laughs> right. Uh, Hulk is pretty on point though. Uh, Rick is a little, you know, snappy, <laughs> snappy which is car. okay. Um, I feel like they cheated a little with Hank and Jan being full on. We go to bed together already, but it's that's a okay too, bit. but it's hard yeah. to say because because those comics never really spelled out how what their relationship was like exactly. Right. So for all we know, they could have been sharing a bed since they met because they just don't talk about it, it seems like. Because so, it's the 1960s. You can't really talk about that. Right. So I'm fine and, with all that. And they, the, the whole will they, won't they thing in the comics is basically their, their verbal acknowledgments of love. Mm-hmm. But that happens in relationships, you know. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love you is a big phrase the first time it's said. True. Yeah. Hey Mike. Hey Mike. Yeah. I love you, man. I love you too, man. <laughs> so um I like how our point of view is the outside looking in at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're sort of seeing the Avengers from the point of view of the news. Oh, uh-huh, right. Um Okay, so Rick Jones, yeah, you mentioned him. He's a very sniper car. I was thinking about how weird, like, the shape of Rick Jones's narrative. He comes into the Avengers mm-hmm. only because he is tied to the Hulk. Right. But then the Hulk leaves. And he and stays. Rick, yeah, he's just still kind of there. <laughs> That'd be funny if one of them said, why are you here? But, yeah, they never do. And no one else brings their supporting cast into the book. Like, there's no. no Pepper Potts or Happy Hogan. There's no Jane Foster in the book. It's just Rick is just there. Then they tie him to Cap when Cap comes along. Uh-huh. But then whenever the Hulk gets his own series again, they had to find a way to disentangle him from Cap and send him back over to the Hulk. It's just weird. It kind of makes sense that he'd be there for the Hulk, like, you know, his his support dog or something. Because mm-hmm. the Hulk has issues. And, uh, you know, Rick possibly calms him down a little bit or at least can control him better than these other people can. But uh, I do like that the news also wonders, like, why the Hulk is even on the Avengers, which is kind of a good question yes. and always was a good question. Definitely. Um, and we'll I get mean, to this later, out, but I, I out, like out that that also me. affects their future decisions, too. It really does. Yeah. Out of the box, I think the main reason he was on the Avengers is because he hadn't been a publication for a while and the Lee sure. and Kirby liked him. Yeah. Yeah. Inside the Avengers, I don't know that they even in this series, they give us a real answer. Mm -mm. They don't need his strength, so I don't know. Whatever. It's weird in the the first comic, they like, he's the menace they go to stop. Mm -hmm. And it turns out Loki's controlling him, and he's like, yeah, I'll join your team. Well, maybe like, after they were punched by him, they thought it'd be better if he was on the team than not on the team. But 
which is kind of the feeling they have after they lose him. It's like, mm-hmm. we kind of got to get him back on our side so that, you know, we can better to have him for us than against us, you know? Right. Jarvis gets a lot of screen time in this series. Yeah. Which we, which we haven't got much of in our actual stories. Right. Cause he's barely acknowledged right now. Right. He's just like a guy walking around sometimes. In fact, I looked him up. He was in Captain America stories once or twice. And then he's his first issue of the Avengers is the one where Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch come to the mansion. Uh-huh. And he's giving them refreshments while they're waiting for the for it to be, you know, inducted or whatever. I like that he's like kind of the confidant of Iron Man slash Tony Stark. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And he should be, because I mean, ostensibly, he knows Tony Stark first before any of the other Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, the first meeting is ruined because they're mean to the Hulk and the Hulk overreacts, which is very in keeping with the ideas of the first issues. Yes, for sure. In fact, I believe that the Hulk smashes through a wall, uh, with that whole space phantom thing at some point, right? Which is not this, which is not this, but that's same idea. Yeah. In fact, this, it's it's hard to kind of reconcile the exact continuity Mm -hmm. with those first two issues because it seems really like he's leaving here and then we jump to the Avengers three fight. It doesn't really seem to leave room for him rejoining the team for another meeting and then having a space phantom argument. It's almost like this argument is replacing the space phantom argument. They may have just decided to skip it. Yeah. And there's, and there's another point down the road where I feel like they do the same thing and we'll find out, we'll decide if that's true or not. But like sometimes to summarize this stuff, they, they skip a couple things. Yeah. I think I noticed another issue or two skip down the road. Um, I think this might be the only case where they're like giving their own events that do the same purpose as the Mm -hmm. other issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked up Special Agent Merch. Okay. He was created for this story. Mm-hmm. So he's not part of Avengers continuity. But he does come back in the sequel series. Ah, okay. Where he falls off a cliff and then we never see him again, probably. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, you know what's cool about Iron Man is you could you could indicate the passage of time by changing his look. That's kind of neat. Ant-Man yeah. too, I guess. Yeah. Um I love this bit, though. Like, even though I kind of just dogged it a little bit, I do like the, these two panels of them, of Ant-Man and Wasp being at home. Because, you know, they're in a relationship, and they kiss each other, and they hug, and they shrink and grow together, and they're going to go to bed. And I don't know. We never really got to see that stuff. It's kind of neat. It is the It does establish them as being a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this choice. I'm not entirely sure we need Hank overreacting and snapping at Jan later. Oh, God. But if you're going to have that, you need to have stuff like this. I really hated that, actually. Okay. And I've always hated... Ugh, that's like the worst. That's like that's like people who read Dark Knight and then write Batman like Frank Miller. Drive me nuts kind of nuts. Like, uh-huh. like there was this one stupid story where his brain got possessy and he hit wasp now he's a freaking abuser his entire character and his entire career right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh that just drives me crazy there was no hints of the stuff we've read where he like has anger issues and you know he's not the only marvel character who has that in his past there have been Mm -hmm. other marvel characters who have hit their spouses Mm -hmm. or their significant others spider-man is one of them Mm-hmm. It's just that he never had like the really huge following. He definitely has his strong supporters, and I am not dismissing any Hank Pym fans out there. Um, I'm rather fond of the character, you know, at least at a concept level, even if I don't love all of his stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
he doesn't really have like the big following and the ongoing narrative and continuity to like offset that one event. Yeah. And you can't make Spider-Man a reoccurring spousal abuser, you know, because right. that would just not look great for Spider-Man, but it's okay. Let's just slap it on Hank, I guess. Because mm-hmm. of that one time he was crazy. No hero has ever gone crazy before. Well, also they, they, they dealt with it in the Avengers story and they don't deal with it in Spider-Man. It also makes Wasp look bad because it's like, what they're basically saying is this full-grown superhero lady who gets punched all the time, just like the boys, can't handle a slap, and it was the worst thing ever, and now she's just shrinking away into a corner while her mean old husband is mean? Come on. She, I, it's like, I, th- I haven't actually read the story to know exactly how it's written. I feel like she should have reacted with strength. Yeah. But the idea of him paying for that abuse still need to happen as well. Like, you, you, could, you can have both. You can have him be in the wrong for abusing his wife mm. and her being able to physically take it doesn't yeah. mean doesn't mean that he should have done it you know oh absolutely but yeah i don't know but it's just a it's just a thing they they tack onto his history all the time now that mm-hmm. it's like that's what he's known for now is the one time he hit jan yep. when he was when he was mental it's weird uh they mentioned purging the hulk from the records i've heard this reference by other fans that like Captain America is now retroactively a Avengers founder. Yes. And Hulk is not. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of... I don't know where that's first established, though, but it it's always been a thing that I've known, you know, that I've just known somehow, magically. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I don't know where I first read that or where it's first done. But yeah, he gets all the the uh, the benefits of being a founding member, whatever that is, extra votes or something. I don't know. but And rightly so, because like I said, they are just going to break up right here. This is it. By the way, I, yeah. love, I love that part where <laughs> Iron Man's like, listen, if you're going to throw that hammer around and and uh, you think that means you get to boss everybody, you could try and use it on me. He's like, no, nah, I won't fight you. Oh, thank God. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would have been bad. Last thing I want to uh, do is poke a little bit of fun at uh, um, something that dates this comic. As mentioned, they were trying to avoid dating the Avengers story. There's an element here that very much dates this concept. And that is on the page um, just before the big train image when he's talking to uh, Special Agent Merch. Merch mm-hmm. says, don't expect sympathy here. Your Q rating is in the toilet. You thought it was bad when you announced this little alliance. And I'm like, okay, 2004, Q ratings or Q scores. The heck is a Q like- rating? It's like you're – they tried to, like, talk about people's popularity as a quantifiable score or something like that. Uh. And it was, a, it was like, five minutes that this was a thing. When DC did their relaunch in 2011 and Oliver Queen was, like, this, like, you know, really hip technology guy making apples and iPhones and everything. He was the Apple creator of the DC universe. Um, Q scores were mentioned a lot in that. And it was, like – cool because his last name started with a Q and so all this stuff was named after the letter Q including Q scores and mm-hmm. Q ratings which are the same thing so but even at that time in 2011 I felt like they were referencing something that was on the way out and here it's like okay yeah that was a thing hmm yeah I don't ever heard of that how great is that double page spread though good lord I mean love it we don't we don't talk about art much because it's kind of hard to on a podcast but it's just so good and it just summarizes that issue in just this one beautiful, epic, destructive picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that. Like there's no words or captions because you don't even need it. It's like obviously they had a fight with the Hulk and it didn't go well. Next page, ramifications of that fight. You yeah, because Tony says we'll handle the Hulk. 
Next page, no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. The Hulk throws a train at them. They're all bleeding. Next page, they're in a submarine. So that skips over uh, the Submariner Hulk team up too, by the way, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it doesn't acknowledge the Submariner's presence. But the, the storytelling beat is is really simple and well done because we go from we'll handle it to bad fight to the Hulk is not a menace. His recent presidential pardon merely reinforces that, you know, playing back the recording from mm-hmm. Tony's earlier announcement. So, yeah. And what's cool when this series does things right, what's cool is like, even though I just said they they don't mention the Submariner or skip over, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. That could totally mm-hmm. have happened. They don't do anything to actively uh, overwrite that either. So Right. It's just not part of the story they're telling, so they don't really bring it in. Yeah, I think I think that's the series is at its best when it does things like that. Sometimes I do think they overwrite things a little, but that's okay. So Steve Rogers is the Matrix, because <laughs> he has come to light their darkest hour. Yes, or Dark You've City. You've got the shield. Dun, dun, oh, that Matrix. Yeah. yeah, I thought you Matrix. meant Neo, but that's okay. I just watched that the other day. I haven't right. seen that in 10 years. Shall we go on to letter uh, V? Yes. Which is number two. And I guess it's all the same credits, so there's no point in saying the credits every time, as far as I know. And there's no cool credit thingies like they did in the 60s. So I'll just start with Giant Man, who is, I guess, the biological scientist on the team, which makes a lot of sense, is biologically studying Steve Rogers, who's been thawed and is now part of the group, I guess. He's, like, got little thingies all over him and, uh, uh, you know – Checking him out. Cap doesn't seem to really exactly remember a lot, which is, you know, typical. Um, so that's basically what he and Jarvis – or Jarvis, like, shows him around, gives him a room. Um, he turns on the television <laughs> only to find – okay, so here is interesting. I guess we can talk about it later. But this is not very 90s TV. It's the uh, – what is that stuff? What was that show called where you had to eat gross Fear stuff? Fear Factor. Fear Factor's on there. And then there's, you know, uh, news about war. And there's a talk show with a guy ranting. And then there's some weird Megadeth video and stuff. Anyway, he freaks out, turns it off because that's not his world, right? Cuts to the other Avengers, or at least, yeah, all the other Avengers minus Hulk. Um, talking about his physiology and blah, blah, blah. Um, Iron Man and Thor later have a discussion iron man's kind of excited because cap has a army special operative status still i guess even though he's been missing so that might help them with this whole uh you know trying to get government sanctions or whatever like a little loophole and thor's like i don't care and disappears on him batman style uh cap has a dream about being in the war all bandaged up running a plane crashing on a shield he wakes up screaming Looks out the window, decides to go downstairs for a midnight stack, runs into uh, Snapper, I mean, Rick Jones, who introduces himself and is all like gregarious and kind of in his face. Uh, Cap doesn't say much. Jarvis interrupts and tells <laughs> Rick Jones to leave him alone um, and that the war isn't always pleasant and you kids don't know that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Cap continues to have as they're having this conversation he continues to have little flashbacks of the war but still can't quite pin down exactly you know a narrative i guess um he and jarvis go to the library and jarvis introduces him to uh you know the charter and also suggests that he can catch up on reality cuts to one week later i don't know what issue avengers five or something where they fight the lava men it's five yep yep okay so they're fighting the lava men 
Uh, Cap's like taking the lead. Rick Jones is there and Cap freaks out and says, you shouldn't be here. Um, just as Iron Man, you know, pushes them off the rock and remember that whole giant man picking up a helicopter and, and whirling them over and then Thor from below destroying everything just like Avengers number five, sort of. Um, everybody's all excited that Captain America's back, although some people don't believe that Captain America's back. Uh, there's that guy again, whatever the heck his freaking name is, I forget. Merch. Um, yeah. And Tony's like, or like the merch guy's like upset that they went there to fight the lava men, but he's like, this. Tony's like, this is an emergency situation. Of course we had to assist. Um, he's like, we're going to use Captain America to get our stuff. Merch is like, this guy's been on ice forever. What the heck does he know? How do we know what's been done to his head? Um and then Merch basically says, I'm going to keep a close – he says, I'm going to keep a close eye on you and this will either work out or you guys will all crack under the pressure the end or to be continued, yeah. basically. Um, Tony wants to use Cap as a reason to get their Avengers thing and mm-hmm. he's kind of like provisionally maybe because we don't really trust the Captain America is full on yet. So that was, one of, that was one of the cool things about this issue is I remember in Avengers 5 when we covered it, they do say something like we have A1 clearance to be here. And you and I are both like, oh, they do? How'd that happen? Who got it? Probably Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Maybe Iron Man. Maybe Hank Pym. Blah, blah, blah. Well, now we know. They kind of answered they didn't. that. They didn't. But but they're kind of answering how they go about getting it, which I think is cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess they lied. <laughs> well, no. I mean, Cap has this like built-in – what did they call it? They called it uh, uh, built-in uh, Army Special Operative Clearance. So maybe that's what he meant. I don't know. So he was kind of like taking advantage of a technicality that hadn't really been properly processed, maybe. No, because they thought he was dead, but he's not dead. So he technically has everything he had when he died. So we have this idea of, um, you know, Captain America fell in the ice. Captain America went into suspended animation mm-hmm. instead of dying. Mm-hmm. He gets brought out of the ice and is thawed out and brought back to life. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't normally happen. No? So the question in my mind is, how did he survive in the ice? Why did he go into suspended animation? Mm-hmm. And if somebody asked you that, Mr. Cap fan, you would say? Because his super soldier serum crystallizes when he inhales ice cold water into his lungs or something like that. Right. Yeah. So I have become really curious about when this idea Becomes canon. Yeah. Yeah. Threw it out to the internet and you, you helped explore that I, some. But I didn't know the answer. You're right. Like, like to me, the first time I ever read that was like in the 90s. So it had to have been explained before that, right? I would think so. You but, would think. Um, I think it's explained somewhat in the handbook. Um, and maybe in like the, I think somebody posted some panels from the early 80s. But you figure that's a really long time to go with just saying, yeah, Cap went into suspended animation. Okay, so here- well, how did he do that? Let me ask you this question, because I thought about this once a while ago, because I just take it for granted, some of these comic book concepts. But one day it occurred to me that I know a lot of non-comic book fans, or people who didn't even know who Cap was until the MCU showed up, who have never once asked me how that worked. Like, they're watching these movies, which by the way, don't explain it either- he goes mm-hmm. into the ice, and then they find him in the ice, and they wake him up, and nobody has ever asked me, how come he's okay? How come he didn't age? Right. Has anybody ever asked you that? Nope. So do we all just think that like humans don't understand biology or something? Or I mean, yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things. And in the movies, it's really cool when it happens. Yeah, but they really don't explain anything. Mm-mm. 
They don't even show him coming th- out of the ice, except for some clip later in a, in a different movie. I think that there is a little bit of conversation between uh, Steve and Nick Fury there in the intersection mm-hmm. that got cut. I think there's a little bit that might have explained how and why he was there. But they just go for the drama. They're saying, you, you missed a few years. You've been asleep, Cap. The end. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he says. And nobody ever asked me, like, well, how did that work? And that just occurred to me one day, like, because I knew how it worked. But, like, how come nobody's questioning that? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just weird. Mm-hmm. But then, like you said, like, and I, and I think in comic books, sometimes we have these ideas of we know these things that are been established. But it's kind of shocking sometimes how long it takes for that established thing to have been established. Like, I'm pretty sure it took 300 issues for somebody to finally say Captain America's shield is an unknown substance and vibranium alloy accidentally mixed together. And, like, we're finally introduced to the the scientist who developed his shield. Like, 300 issues it takes to explore that idea. Right. So, like, wow. I mean, another another example of that is, um, you know, I've been doing a Superman read-through for the last 10 years, and I'm in the... I'm in the late 1970s now. I'm in 1977. Mm -hmm. And I know, and you know, that pre-Crisis Superman, one of his biggest exclamations of surprise or astonishment, whatever, is great row, Mm -hmm. you know, the Kryptonian sun god. You know what he still hasn't said once yet in 1977? What? Great, great row. Wow. So I'm I'm like watching for when that's going to become a thing. The name row has only been said a few times and usually in direct reference to the actual sun god. Boy, Um, you would think something, some hokey saying like that would have been established before the 70s. Yeah. Or even like, you know, maybe during the 70s. But but no, it's not there yet. Wow. Yeah. Um, I do really like the WTF reactions from Captain America whenever he turns on the TV. Yeah. But but see, this goes to your idea that this takes place in 2005 because I don't think those shows were on in the 90s, were they? No. Yeah. So that's a little weird. A little bit weird. Oh, and is- continuing tensions in the Middle East, by the way. So, oh. so, yeah, that dates it a little, sort of. The UN troops were ambushed by local militia forces. Okay. The um, the conversation with Jarvis mentions back pay. Like, he gets back pay? Okay, so that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit because he will eventually get back pay in uh, the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it's like an accident and everybody's like, and he's like immediately, oh, no, they shouldn't. It was like a million dollars, which, you know, in the 80s was, oh, my gosh, right? And he's like. It's, it's still a little, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to send this back as, you know, this isn't right. I can't take this, you know, Mr. Captain America. But all his friends are like, no, no, they'll never. First of all, it's the government. They'll never figure it out. Look how long it's figured. It took them to get you this money. And then so then they convince him to do something good with it. And that's when he starts the Stars and Stripes hotline. So for like years, he's answering cold calls in his van and a motorcycle across America okay. using that money. So I don't like that they introduced it here because it's like, that's supposed to happen later. But that's just a little nitpick, I guess. It's, it's valid, though. Yeah. It's changing the continuity in ways that didn't necessarily need to happen. Yeah. Unless, um, they're, unless they're just trying to explain how he survived without money and a job. But I don't know. Some of the background plot elements that kind of get started here, we have the idea that Thor's whole Asgard thing Mm-hmm. No one takes that seriously. Yeah, that's very Ultimates, isn't it? It is kind of Ultimates, but it also got me thinking in other, okay, in the actual 60s comics, mm-hmm. do the Avengers have any reason to actually believe Thor? 
Have they seen Asgard? Do they experience any of the stuff that he talks about? Or has any of them actually confirmed that they believe Thor? Because I can't think of any conversations like that. Right. So you get this idea that Thor is just out there being a god and the, the, the rest of them are just like, well, you know, that that's just his thing. He likes to call himself a god. Yeah, you know, whatever. He, he's good for the team. <laughs> his hammer works. We're <laughs> fine. Are you going to tell him no? I'm not going to tell him no. <laughs> I like that because especially Tony, a man of science, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this is uh, early days. So we haven't really been introduced to anything weird or magical yet. And another background plot element is Captain America's amnesia. Uh-huh. He does not remember what happened to Bucky. He does not remember Zemo at this point, which uh, really plays well into our own confusion of the events of issue six. Yes. Which like, we haven't quite gotten to yet. Like whether or not he be- he knew Zemo did what he did, you know? Right, right. Giant Man, if I recall correctly, was not nearly this tall when he did his propeller trick. Right. He was about as tall as the diameter of the propellers. Right. So they're making him bigger than his what was his what's his max? I forgot already. Twelve feet or something? Um I think they've stated in the comics that going over thirty five is really hard for him. Twelve is like his his solid height. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know what height I would put him at in this scene. Well, more but than it's twelve really freaking big. Way more than twelve. Yeah. His, his foot is as big as six foot two cap, so yeah, Captain America goes up to the bottom of his calf muscle. Yeah. So the top of his ankle is six feet. And I, It's got to be. And I know in these early days he wasn't going past 12 feet because we kind of made fun of him for not really being Giant Man. Yeah, yeah. And they've made him very much Giant Man. I would say that's at least 60 feet tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, to be honest, is more how I think of Giant Man when someone says Giant Man. So that's why it was kind of mm-hmm. shocking when you and I were reading these 60s comics and being like, that's all he does is 12 feet? 12 feet? That's that's just right. double That's double me. That's nothing. It's not but, very much. But so that, that's a little retroactiveness on their part, but that's cool. Another bit of retroaction is um, totally redoing the relationship between Captain America and Rick Jones. Being mad about Rick being there? Mad about Rick being there. He... He sees Rick in a moment of historical trauma drama, um, but instead of being like drawn to him, Rick Jones is a total tool. Oh, so this seems like the first meeting, walking in on Rick invading the refrigerator. Uh huh. Whereas in Avengers Four, it's obviously you know Cap trying to find where the Avengers are, and Rick sort of spurring him on to do it. Remember? Mm-hmm. So they definitely changed that. Yeah. Well, they don't even, I don't think they even address the whole idea of him having to save the Avengers <laughs> from the celery guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they, they no. find Captain America and then he's back at the house. No, but again, that could have been happened between the last issue and this issue. They, they could have got away with it as a yeah. skipping, yeah. as just something to skip because it's silly. But they definitely like completely changed his first encounter with Rick. And honestly, this rings more true. Mm-hmm. You know, taking. <laughs> Captain America having a sidekick, a junior sidekick, is weird from the first page. It's just a comic book trope that was really popular in 1940 because, mm-hmm. you know, Robin. Yeah. And so bringing it into the modern day, even playing at it and hinting at it with Rick Jones just hanging around feels weird. And Captain America, I think, gives a much more reasonable uh, reaction, especially this is in keeping with his first reactions to Rick. He's like, you can't be Bucky. I'm never going to have another partner again. Bucky died. And here he's like, Rick Jones, you shouldn't be here. So I feel like that's in keeping with the idea, even if it's not the same events. 
Yeah, but I do miss that first meeting where he's like, Bucky, it's you. And Rick's like, oh, my God, you're so weird. Mm-hmm. And then he's mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, you're not Bucky. I feel stupid. Fine. I'm going to turn to Captain America now. And he puts on the mask and Rick's like, oh, you're actually pretty cool. I liked that. But but the the, the kitchen stuff is funny, too. And I like Jarvis's um, involvement. I like that Jarvis is old enough to be tied to World War II still, I guess. Or at least no war. Yeah, well, there have been definitely wars between then and now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he could definitely have been seen some service. Mm-hmm. They call him the original superhero, which made me happy. Yes. I mean, compared to the other options. Right. Um, perhaps the most significant development in the recent emergence of American superheroes is the return of the original superhero, Captain America. Yeah. And my last note on this is we've gone back and forth on whether or not Tony lives in Avengers Mansion. It looks like accepted wisdom is that he doesn't. He owns the place. He could come and go if he chose. He might even sleep there on occasion if, you know, it's convenient after the meeting. But he doesn't live there. Right. But we all, yeah, I think you're right. It looks like he lives in this big Starkey Tower. So. Mm-hmm. Cool issue, though. Yep. I will say, like, Cap is a much more slow burn in this than Avengers. Remember how we kind of made or poked fun at the fact that how earnest he is about being an Avenger pretty much right mm-hmm. away without knowing any of these people? Right. And they don't really do that here. Here, it's more like he kind of just walks around in a sleepwalking days wondering what he should be doing, at least until they cut to the lava men. Right. Gives him a week to settle in. Mm-hmm. Okay, number three. Number three. E. Or, or, or yeah, letter E with uh, Mark III Iron Man flying yeah. through the air. Super cool. Mark III is where his uh, gold face plate is now, um, what do you call this, riveted, riveted onto his red helmet. He lost his Wolverine mask. Lost the Wolverine mask. Um, all right. So the army is going after the Hulk, which has cast a big pall on the mm-hmm. Avengers and their relationship with the Hulk. Um, Jan and Hank have an argument about the whole thing. Jan flies off. The news guy's like, where are the Avengers? Especially since they made all those really public statements about the Hulk. Why aren't they, you know, helping with that? Mm-hmm. Um Tony is sitting in his office drinking and listening to everything. And uh, the Avengers are kind of in a, in a down place. Jarvis tries to serve breakfast to Steve and Rick. Steve's just not really that hungry. He's remembering, he's starting to remember the hood on the person and the plane and other partial memories and partial images, but he can't pull it all together. And when Rick Jones tries to talk to him, he just gets annoyed. Mm-hmm. Iron Man flies over to talk to Special Agent Merch. The army is present, not the whole army, but General Paul Wallace, Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he offers Iron Man the A1 security clearance that they want in exchange for the Avengers being, you know, answerable to the military. Um Tony's immediately not keen on this, but he doesn't immediately say no. He does take it back to the others to talk about it. Uh, Captain America is at Arlington National Cemetery. He sees the grave of James Buchanan Barnes, which for uh, the sake of argument says he was born December 13th, 1928 and died March 30th, 1945, which would have put him at 16 and a half years old. Army mascot, Camp Lehigh. Army mascot. Yep. That's his. Yep. <laughs> Want that on my tombstone. So, while he's mourning at Arlington Cemetery, the public and newspaper reporters come out there and, and want to get to him and 
he won't let them. Um, so now Captain America is like, you know, what else has happened while I've been gone? Um, Iron Man definitely tells Special Agent Merch no on the whole working for the military thing. Thor arrives with a big old tornado and storm to reinforce the negative, and he kind of sp- scares Special Agent <laughs> Merch because Thor's Thor's scary. occasionally rather scary yeah. in this story. The Avengers have some discussions about their current status and how it's really kind of up in the air. Captain America goes to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial and reads every single name on the wall to acknowledge every single soldier that died in a war that he, Captain America, missed. Good thing he sees faster. One week week later, the Masters of Evil strike. We have the Black Knight flying through the air. We have the Melter with his melting chest beam. We have Radioactive Man with his gross gas gun. Um, The Avengers are fighting them. A ship lands on top of Avengers Mansion. Captain America arrives on his motorcycle. um, And he confronts the purple-hooded character known as Zemo, which brings all the memories back. They start fighting. Zemo escapes in his ship. The other Masters of Evil escape, but Captain America has been knocked down in the fight. It was not pretty. And we end with him, barely conscious, collapsed on the roof of Avengers Mansion. Woo. So what issue are we at now? Six? Seven? Yeah, that was six. <laughs> that was six. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm trying to scrape my brain together and remember what we thought Cap's thoughts were. I remember we really went back and forth a lot on how much he knew or didn't know about Zemo. Or blame mm-hmm. Zemo for Bucky. But in this, it's kind of like, it seems like he doesn't even remember Zemo until he sees Zemo for the first time. My memory is that there's like, there's one line in the book that makes it explicit that he does remember Zemo. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other lines that are like more fuzzy on it. Uh-huh. And so if you miss that one line, it's really hard to know exactly what's going on in Cap's head. It also seems like this issue su- suggests, and I'm not saying it's true, but it suggests that when he's at the Arlington Cemetery, that's the first time he remembers Bucky, mm-hmm. as opposed to Avengers 4, where he wakes up and says, look out, Bucky. He says, Bucky, Bucky, look out. Yeah. So that's a little different. But I'm not saying that is what's happening. I don't know. Maybe he's just lamenting Bucky here, but he hasn't mentioned Bucky until this issue. Right. Um, the stuff with the Hulk at the beginning is after the Avengers run into the Hulk in issue five, mm-hmm. but before his series- so the Hulk is just like out there hulking around in the Marvel Universe in stories that we didn't actually see. Mm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan and Hank have problems, sort of. Or- yeah, their relationship is, I mean, at this point, it's normal level problems. They're just annoying each other and having fights. So this is, no, he's giant man at this point. He's saying He's saying that they're not gods or mutants and they don't have powers and the only thing that their abilities are founded on his science and he can do better. And I'm trying to think of what the better is going to be, or is there going to be anything better? Maybe nothing. But that's kind of what the argument is, is she's like, can we just go to dinner? And he's like, no, I have to stay in my lab forever until I figure this out. How to- I think it's just helping to paint the obsession that's in him, uh-huh. which I feel like is a little bit odd. Cause I don't think that, that shoe, the other shoe of that actually lands in this miniseries. No, it probably does in the next one because that covers the whole era of Yellow Jacket and everything. Um, it goes all the way up to Ultron, I think, in the next miniseries. Uh, but this is this is just him being weird. Now, in the 60s, there were many instances of like, of like 
playful arguments. Lead me to my science. Yeah, playful arguments about him wanting to stay in his lab and be left alone and her wanting to go do stuff. So that rings true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought maybe this was leading to him being giant man, but he was already giant man. I forgot. So I don't know what he's talking about. I thought Tony Stark sitting in there while the news media debates the very existence of the Avengers had a very Batman v Superman feel. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, that big um, sequence where the talking heads are debating whether or not there should even be a Superman. Of course, in that one, he's out there like doing super feats the whole time. And it's not really what's going on here. I just had a similar feel. Tony can be very Batman-y sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. Yeah. I mean, they are kind of the same character. In, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, yeah. Uh. Cap looks to be living at the Avengers Mansion, which is not, which is something we uh, kind of got established later, I think, but makes sense. Yeah, it's firmly established in the first issue of his ongoing, but it makes sense to take that retroactively because he had to be somewhere during all that time. Yeah, right? where else could he have been, really? Hanging out with the team brigade, jumping from loft to loft. <laughs> um, I like the, the little memory the shots. Thing- I like the little memory of like the back of Zemo, you know, that's kind of cool. Like there was yeah, some it hints dude. at Zemo, but doesn't actually see Zemo. Some dude with a striped head. I don't know who it is. Right, stripey head man. Who is that? Guy? Isn't that the guy from the Fat Albert cartoon? What's his name? Oh, that was Rudy. Yeah, Rudy. Which always confused me as a kid because Rudy was the little girl on the Cosby Show. <laughs> right, that is weird. Never thought of that. And I was trying to figure out what the connection was between the Cosby kids in the Fat Albert cartoon. And the kids in the Cosby show, who, by the way, weren't even named Cosby. They were named Huxtable. Right. But I just didn't know as a child how that was supposed to work out. I don't know either. There must be something to it. Um, the whole deal with the army, mm-hmm. it honestly feels like the kind of deal that Avengers Reborn and the Ultimates had done. Yeah, the Ultimates really like play up their government connection and kind of streamline a lot of characters by just making them government people. Mm-hmm. Um, but traditionally, superheroes, at least in the main six one six, don't like to work for the government usually, for probably nope. good, probably good reason. Although we do get a first glimpse at what looks to be like a Quinjetty Quinjet thing being built. Okay, so that's another bit of discontinuity because they definitely call it a Quinjet, and you know I think they have a few different flying things they use. Well, they had the helicopter at issue five, and in six one six comics, Black Panther gives them their first Quinjet. Oh, I was going to say, like, this could be a Quinjet because the government's building it, not Iron Man. But if Black Panther gave them their first Quinjet, that makes no sense. Hmm. Yeah. So a little bit of playing with the with the history there. Good Lord. Um, everyone knows that the Avengers fly a Quinjet, so he's just building one. And doesn't Black Panther not show up to like, the 70s? 70 issue counts or 70 no, years? No, 70 decade. Or is it 60s? It's 1966. That's still a long time to go without a Quinjet. But yeah. And he's you know, that's his first appearance in the in the Fantastic Four is in 1966. He's not in the Avengers until 67 or 68. I think right now in our current Avengers reading, they have been starting to fly things that aren't just helicopters. Like they're mm-hmm. weirdly named things that aren't going to catch on. Yeah, they have inconsistent designs and inconsistent descriptions. But yeah, they they have you know some flying vehicles that they use. Yeah, <laughs> somehow, some way. Well, maybe maybe Black Panther just straight up steals the, the blueprints for this or something. I don't know. Nah, he can make his own. He doesn't need the government. Um, so I was thinking, let me get to the right page. Oh yeah. Okay. So the scene where Thor shows up and scares <laughs> so, special agent. Merch. So good. Remember that moment in the Avengers film when black widow tells Hawkeye 
This is nothing they trained for. It's gods and monsters. Uh huh. I feel like this is Merch's it's gods and monsters moment. Yeah. It's really cool. It like kind of, I don't know. It just gives you a perspective of the Avengers from a normal person's point of view. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, there's this mm-hmm. dude who just comes Which out this of nowhere. This is great about. Yeah. There's these gods and ironed people living behind this gate. And he comes out of nowhere. And the thing about Thor, one of my favorite things about Thor is he he always comes with, uh, you know, drama. Because he's got lighting and thunder. And it just looks cool and scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve's moment in the v- Vietnam Memorial was powerful. Yeah, that was really cool. And it actually goes to, what was that? What was that Scarlet? You should know, Miss Scarlet, Mr. Scarlet Witch expert. The Scarlet Witch event where, like, she wipes out half the mutant population or whatever. House of M. House of M. So there was like a one Captain America issue with that where he just never dies or he just gets older. You know, like he never got lost. And one of the things he laments is that I think something about like how he should have been the one who did such and such wars here and there and or gone to space or whatever. Like that was the point of his existence is to be the risk, be the one who risks all these things. So I like that. I like that idea that, you know, not only is he just sad that he he missed a war, but he missed he's sad that he wasn't there to help. Maybe. Yeah, because he's older. and Yeah. Yeah. He was helping for a while. I'm sure he was in Korea, probably in at least some of Vietnam, but history keeps on going and he kept on getting older. Yeah. But was he was he president for a while of that history? Mm, I think that was a what if. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, I like that Cap wakes up and he's missed some wars. And the first thing he thinks of is like people died because he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what he was designed for. And we get the really cool Masters of Evil splash page uh-huh. and the fight that ends with him recognizing Zemo. Yeah. So, so far, each one of these issues has had, like, the one big event moment that, that anchors where we are, which right. is kind of cool. And they don't call him Baron Zemo in this. They don't ever call him Doctor either, but it's just Zemo. Zemo. Yep. And there's real German used. Oh, really? He doesn't just do the whole uh, really annoying thing to read? Uh, yeah. Whatever. Which they don't seem to make the main bad guys use, but anyway. Uh, yeah, then Cap gets shot in the head. It makes it look like an accident in this, but I'm pretty sure it was on purpose in the original, but that's okay. Maybe it wasn't. I don't remember. Uh, and then that's it. He's unconscious. All right. And Zemo gets away but doesn't. Well, we are making good time, so I think we're going to do uh, the the last issue of the first half of this thing in this uh, first half of episode 100. Letter N, issue number four, Thor. with a big picture of Thor all by himself on it. Um, we open up with Captain America dreaming again, only this time his dream takes a more specific form. It's got Zemo, demon, like hunched over a factory city german looking thing with a bunch of a bunch of dead buckies with swastikas carved into their skull marching out of this thing and uh cap like tries to stop him and then wakes up and actually he's telling the avengers this dream and they're all like okay way cool um then he recounts that he actually remembers what happened which we all know is you know bucky and cap on a motorbike trying to stop a bomb plane thing and then it exploding and only cap surviving so now he is like really 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 unhappy with zemo um and the avengers are all kind of like eh, you're a little you're a little emotional there buddy um iron man tells the general no um the general asks him if he can investigate this doohickey weird thing that's showing up anyway they say sure they uh 
fly over there. It's a t- it's a it's a Legion time sphere. Yeah, it's a Legion time sphere. Something like that. It's this big round thing, and we'll find out in a second what it is. Um, they're all flying over there in like a big warplane, except for Thor, who's like flying behind, which is kind of a cool touch. And then like all these army guys are also there to go with them. Um, and Cap's looking all grumpy and sitting by himself, but of course they can't help but approach him. And they ask, uh, you've seen your share of war. Um, why do you keep fighting? And he's like, I believe in these colors, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the time sphere wasn't from the Legion. It's from Kang. Um, and he announces himself and everybody goes crazy. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to Jarvis watching the speech that the cap just gave these young soldiers that I totally botched and summarized very quickly, but it was very moving, trust me. And they put it on TV, and everybody's like, wow, Cap, you're the coolest. Then we cut to nine hours later, where Rick is inside the sphere, and he frees the Avengers, and the Avengers take on Kang, and as we all recall, they ultimately beat him by shooting him with some sort of acid that eats through his costume, but he gets away. Or no, he doesn't. Yeah, he gets away, but also Thor like sucks the power out of him, or something like that. Uh, well, he gets away because he thre- he he becomes highly radioactive. That's right. Yeah. So just reread and that Thor issue. Channels that energy. Um, Cap's kind of happy with Rick for you know saving them and stuff, and then he gets there. They're all wanting to him to be on TV again because he had a great soundbite earlier. So let's get another one. And he says, it's the right thing. You know, why are you doing this? And he's like, because it's the right thing to do. And anytime someone threatens humanity, the Avengers won't allow it. And everybody's like, woohoo, he's awesome. Um, and there's a big parade, New York City, four days later. Um, Thor doesn't like it, but they're like, no, we have to do this parade. We need good public, you know, whatever. Um, then there's more merch, Iron Man fighting. Um Merch wants to make it clear that whatever privileges they're granted is at the discretion of the National Security Council, blah, blah, blah. And Iron Man's like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, Steve is looking out the window at our rainy day being real grumpy. And Thor's like, hey, listen, warrior to warrior, I know what it's like to lose somebody. And I know how you want revenge and stuff like that. But, you know, you got to get it together. And Cap's like, I just cannot help myself. I've never been this kind of honking mad before. It's actually scaring me. But I just cannot stop thinking about Zemo. And all I want to do is seek him out. And kiss and him. Kiss his face. To be continued. But I think he was going to say kill him. Oh. I read it wrong. Well, he didn't actually finish his sentence. So it could have been kiss his face. Kiss his glue-faced oh. face. Ew. His sticky glue face. I just can't stop thinking about him. <laughs> Every day it's Zemo. Yeah. And he's no zero. Ooh. Make a song. Captain America the musical. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool stuff in this one. Uh-huh. I think it was kind of funny that we just like skip right over issue seven with the Enchantress's love potion for Thor. What happened in that though? So she tricked Thor into thinking the Avengers were his enemies. Oh yeah. That was, was a good an- one. Yeah, she and Executioner were teamed up with Zemo. It's for the purposes of this story, um, it doesn't really do anything for what they're telling, but it would have been interesting to see what this kind of perspective would have spun out of that issue. And unlike other things where, you know, you could say they skipped it, but it still happened. I'm not sure it could happen in this because Cap's still got a bandage on his head and he's all bloody, and we pick up right where we left off, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think they just skipped it. And the public sees this as the Avengers, like, wholesale defeat and maybe their end, 
Or am I getting that confused with the Kang fight? No, I think the public's on board because of this issue. Because Cap gave two speeches, and that's all you need, I guess. Right? Yeah, I think we're getting different parts of the issue. So I didn't put a page number. Okay, well, with, he, make, uh, he makes, about it he, makes the, he doesn't make a speech. I mean, I guess he makes a speech. The kid answers him with the recorder. He answers him. You ask him, why do you keep fighting? And he gives a big star spangled, I believe, in the dream. Big picture, red, white, and blue. And you got to keep fighting. And then they put that on TV, which bolsters the Avengers, whatever, in addition to the fact that they put on TV the Legionnaire's time capsule thing, Sphere. And then later, they all rush to interview him after they win, and he gives another cool speech, and it just seems like – and then a parade. So it seems like this is where the public is starting to get on board with these Avengers, and all because Cap makes good speeches. So they're kind of like – They're cool. kind of like – and I'm sure Iron Man's doing this on purpose, but they're kind of galvanizing their popularity through – you know, the first superhero. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I thought the point of this issue was. That and the fact that so he's losing we, it. <laughs> Cat's America is definitely losing it. Um, we do have a really big parade at the end there, which was really cool. Because mm-hmm. that does like, they're trying to get their A1 priority. They're trying to get public relations. And now they have one of those. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the public is in their favor. Mm-hmm. Um so Merch mentions that Captain America's involvement in the team is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. So you've got your A1 priority status as long as Cap stays. Yeah. And even here, I was like, okay, I think I know where this is going to go at the end of the minute. <sighs> right? Yeah. Cap has to stay while the rest of us can go, basically. And the grieving on page 92. Uh, okay. Well, I don't have your name. You're looking at a trade, so I'm not sure what 92 is. I'm sorry. Yeah, the grieving on the page where Steve is staring into the rain and Thor's behind uh-huh. Great scene. He's like, we should be better than that. I don't think Bucky would think too highly of me right now. Mm-hmm. So preoccupied with thoughts of his killer's death, but I just can't help myself. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever wanted anything so badly. And I think it, that is a side of grief that sometimes we want to minimize or push aside. Mm-hmm. But those feelings of just wanting revenge can be very real. And as for this story, it is setting up the events of issue 15 very nicely. It's also just great because here we have the government saying, you can't lose Cap or you lose your clearance. And then we Mm -hmm. have Cap saying, I don't think I can function anymore. (laughs) So it's like, that's not good. But I also love that Cap is, even though he can't help it, he's also aware that it's not great, what he's thinking. Like, Mm -hmm. that's always a nice thing that you're not so pig-headed that you think your anger emotion is the only thing you should be doing. And I also love that he's confiding. uh, This whole scene is cool because he's just confiding with Thor in this moment. And I like that idea because, of course, Thor's going to understand battle more than any other Avenger. War, you know, and the effects of war and losing people. So, like, Thor is kind of telling him, you know, you got to, you know, thirst for vengeance is cool. You got to be careful, but I understand it. And Cap's just like, yeah, but it's not right. And I'm freaking losing my mind. And yeah, it was all cool. All right. Well, issue four didn't take a whole lot to talk about, but I don't have a whole lot else to say about it. Either. No, it was pretty, it was, there was actually a lot of, uh, more so than usual, a lot of coverage of what act, the actual events. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of Kang in this one because Kang is cool. Kang is definitely cool. I loved that. Like, I'm pretty sure they embellished the heck out of it, but the wherever Rick is to free them from their prison, that was a cool visual that I don't really remember in the original. Yeah, the Wasp's role in their rescue oh. was completely looked over. <gasps> so, you know, what's interesting Overlooked. about that is that's when they first suggest that the Wasp is like 
Is that the issue where they suggest the wasp is like Rick or something like that, if I recall? I don't know. Um, I think Rick Jones said something about wanting to have a, you know, be like a, a junior partner, get a costume like the wasp or something like that. I don't know exactly how he phrases it. Um, I don't remember when that was. I don't think it was in direct conjunction with this. Okay. But I think whenever we talked about it, we joined the two ideas. I think because in this, the wasp and Rick get together to come up with a plan and Rick does all the action and the wasp goes off to go do something like get fetched the gun or something like that, which is totally mm-hmm. backwards. You would think she, the superhero would do the action and the, the sidekick would go fetch the gun. But anyway, yeah, she's not even in this last bit. Okay. Here's the part where I was talking about earlier. I, I found it when I said that um, the public saw this as the death of the Avengers. When they first fight Kang, they immediately get captured. Oh. We don't even see it happen on panel. We just see Jarvis is watching the news reports from the mansion. There's a, um, what do you call those? When people are like staying up to honor a dead person. Uh-huh. Um, I forget what that's called, but they're like outside with their like lights and everything, candles. And the newscaster is talking about, is it too late? Are the Avengers lost to us, struck down by the worldwide invader just as we realize their value? Oh. So that makes them even more popular then, because now we gave them drama of possible death, mm-hmm. only to come out and survive and while everybody's standing around waiting for them to see if they lived. That's cool. Vigil. Vigil, yeah. That's the word. There you go. They're having a, a vigil outside. Yeah. So cool. We've established they're popular. We've established that the government wants the Cap to be on the team, and we've established that Cap's losing his mind and is probably going to leave the team. So cool drama. Dramatically, it feels like a good halfway point for the story. Mm-hmm. So I think these are moving along nicely. We are... Issue count-wise, exactly halfway through. Yep, 8 out of 16 issues. Mm -hmm. And um, dramatically, we're at a very good halfway point. So I think we're going to call this the end of episode 100, part 1. Next week will be episode 100, part Mm 2, wrapping up this miniseries. Then we'll go back to our regular comics and other paraphernalia after that. Yeah, so if you're reading along, just read 5, 6, 7, and 8. And we'll cover that. 5, 6, 7, 8. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Bloop. All right. I don't think we're going to do our regular um, ins and outs. Uh, we really appreciate all of you out there who have supported the show for 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. We love you all very much. Um, do please keep supporting. Tell your friends. Been getting a lot of people on Twitter um, shouting out the show and specifically talking about it as they uh, tweet. Um, so that is great. Thank you very much. And yeah, if you have a friend who likes Marvel, likes the Silver Age, say, hey, I've got this podcast. You should listen to it. You should. And then review it and retweet it and email it and all those things. All right. Well, let's see. Okay. I have one, but it's referencing a a rather distasteful later development and continuity. Bring it. Okay. Until Captain America takes his Japanese friend to an internment camp in World War II. Make ours marvel. marvel.